Turkey Call All Access, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. Turkey Call All Access is a digital campfire where the host and guests discuss topics of the day, conservation efforts, tips and techniques to better your experience as a field, and share our members' stories. Welcome back, everybody, to this special edition of the Turkey Call All Access podcast, the official podcast of the National Wild Turkey Federation, brought to you by Nomad Outdoor. This is the 2022 Conservation Week episode. This week, we're bringing to you Cliff Cadet, Brett Collier, Kevin Ringelman, Cuz Strickland, Maddie Prue, Mark Hatfield. We're going to bring you guys conversations from the volunteer point of view, the partner point of view, our friends point of view, so many different points of view, so much celebrating going on this week. It's NWTF 2002 Conservation Week. Come along with us as we celebrate so much, do some storytelling. I hope you're, I hope you're when you hear these stories, when you hear these conversations, you're motivated. Got a challenge for you at the end from our co-CEOs, Kurt and Jason. Heed the heed the call. Stand up for the challenge. We're going to get into all of that. 90 seconds. Let's go. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear. It's Conservation Week 2022, and we're celebrating the hard work done by our volunteers and staff. As part of Conservation Week, we're offering a limited decal and t-shirt. I love the design so much, I put the decal on my car. So definitely go check it out. It comes with an NWTF membership, and it helps us continue to invest into wild turkey conservation. Speaking of which, if you would like to donate to Wild Turkey Research this Conservation Week, you can. You can find the link in the show notes for this podcast, as well as in our Instagram bio. Happy Conservation Week. Cliff is in the truck once again. You're becoming a frequent flyer. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, just doing my thing. You know what it is. We grind every day. Yeah. Man, it's it's Conservation Week, and... Uh, I'm glad to have you on the program for this special this special episode of, of all things celeb- celebratory and in, in the NWTF and, and our conservation story and stuff you got going on. So uh, I know our time is limited today, but I, I want to have you on talk about the groundbreaking stuff uh, we're doing in NYC from your chapter. You got an upcoming uh uh, an event that that you're gonna get the the kids and the family out uh, shooting some archery. I understand. So, what what's conservation week like in in NYC, man? <laughs> well, well, first off, I gotta say thank you for having me. I truly oh, appreciate sure. it. Brother. 
Um, and then second, I got to say props to you guys, you know, to the NWTF as a whole, because I love the fact that you guys are using the word, the key word here, celebrate. You know what I'm saying? This week, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times you pitch conservation to somebody and they're like, uh, you know what I'm saying? They, <laughs> yeah. they think they're going to get a whole lecture and stuff like that. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, we're all using the word celebrate this week, I, I think it puts a, a different spin on it and it gives everybody the opportunity to actually get out there and have fun with it. You know what I'm saying? So that's the whole idea behind my chapters. Uh, our very first event, we're all proud to have my whole leadership committee, um, you know, my VP, my treasurer, my secretary, all these guys, um, you know, we're getting together this Saturday, which you know, coincidentally, the closeout of this conservation week is right. National Hunting and Fishing Day. That's right. Um, <clears throat> you know, and living in the city that we live in, um, for us, uh, you know, you can't hunt in the five boroughs of New York City. Um, you can hunt everywhere outside of it, for the most part, outside of New York City. Um, and immediately outside of New York City, it's archery only. Like you go an hour, maybe two hours top north, it's bow only. You head out east, it's it's bow only as well. Um, so we figured, heck, like uh, a starting point, because a lot of times a lot of people get into archery, they get hooked by that, they get, they get the bug, if you will. Um, the I think the natural progression after that is usually bow hunting, you know what I'm saying? But I figured what's the best way to get uh, youth and family out there, but to do a family workshop. And it's, it's right there in the middle of, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, it's, it's literally called family workshop archery for beginners. And, um, the spot we're holding it at is like I said, is in Brooklyn called Gotham archery. These, the instructors there are awesome. I mean, they make, especially for beginners, they make archery so fun. You know what I'm saying? That it's, I guarantee that whoever participates is going to get hooked and want to know more about archery and more about what the NWTF does as a whole. And that's the goal, man. Just real. It's funny. You're using all these uh, outdoor analogies, like real men and such and whatnot. But that's the goal is just be, get the opportunity to engage with, uh, you know, parents, with kids um, and let them know what outdoor opportunities await them. Just so like, so right the city. I feel like that's a great, spot to pick up on especially in an area where you said like there's no no hunting in new york city proper the five boroughs Mm -hmm. and you got to travel and it's it can be arduous and challenging but there are still conservation success stories or things still things you can do right around your home talk about some of that stuff and you know it doesn't always have to be hunting centric right i mean there Mm -hmm. in the city there's fishing opportunities there are opportunities uh to leave a place cleaner than you found it uh what are the what are things you know people listening to to a guy in, in nyc that may be in other metropolitan areas of the country like you can participate in this too agreed uh and that's that's a huge goal behind our chapter is it's not only uh hunting focus it's outdoors focused <clears throat> Um, I feel like as, as a kid growing up, um, these outdoor opportunities, I mean, I didn't grow up. I mean, the internet didn't exist when we were a kid, you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't as simple as just a Google search and figuring out what public land is near you, where you can go hiking, where you can go fishing. So a lot of this was word of mouth. If you didn't know anyone who hunted, who fished, who hiked, um, did anything like that, then you didn't do it either. 
You know what I'm saying? So the goal behind our chapter is engaging families in the city, engaging kids, uh, just everyone, and letting them know what they have available to them. And I mean, one of the cool things, like last summer, my family and I explored, we have state parks within each borough of the city. You know what I'm saying? And we did that. We went, um, we visited all these state parks. Even um, local playgrounds have these uh, small ponds in them that allow catch and release fishing. Like, there's catch and re- yeah, there's catch and release fishing a lot in Central Park. Um, nice. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what um, what fish are available, but you know, like I, I believe it was some fly fishing you can literally do in Central Park. That's a hundred acre and, piece of ground, you know. And and for me, like I just thought of Central Park growing up as just a huge garden in the middle of the city, right. huge, just a giant park in the middle of the city. But and like you have runners, you have the New York City Marathon uh, ends there and stuff like that. People run it all the time, but you never see it. Aside from walking it, running it, stuff like that, you never think you could fish it. All right. You know, then there's um there's plenty of trails um that you can hike in New York. That trails that start even in New York City. I believe there's a trail that starts um on the west side of New York City and, and just goes straight up north. You know what I'm saying? And so if you're really into hiking, there you go. You can literally start on the west side of Manhattan and make your way all the way out right outside the city. No kidding. Um, the fishing, I mean, from, from what I've been told in a lot of discussions I've heard, but fly fishing in New York, you know what I'm saying, huge. Uh, I, I don't want to say it was the birthplace of it, but some I, I hear just a lot of people are really into it, and and you can just travel not even that far outside of the city and do that. And it's all about that. It's just letting people know the opportunities that are available for them. And it doesn't always have to be about hunting. Sure. You know I'm saying? It's just about being able to get out there and enjoy the enjoy the air, enjoy the fresh air. And, and that's that's what this week is about, right? And what's, <clears throat> I'm interested, you know, your kids' reactions and stuff like that. When you personally, I mean, you you you've taken this stuff on, you've become a, a real leader in your area. Um, and, and someone that a lot of folks I think uh, that may have been intimidated by um, the hunting space or just getting into the outdoors in, in general. Um, what you've been doing the last handful of years is, is nothing short of phenomenal. What are your, what are your kids reaction been to all this? You know, when you're taking them out on hikes and, you know, going out and, and, and getting out of more concrete jungle areas and getting to more green areas, what is, what is that experience like for them? And, and, you know, do they talk to their friends and get excited about it? <clears throat> that, that I don't know yet. Uh, in terms of talking to their friends, I I really don't uh, know how they approach that, uh, or if they even try to engage their friends in conversation yeah. with something like that. Hey, my dad's a hunter and stuff, because my kids are even slow to accepting it themselves because it's really, it's it's so odd to them, you yeah. know. Um, this it's you, my wife is 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 slow to it as well. Like she's really not into it. She's not against it, but she's not into it herself. So she, they kind of see it as dad's going out hunting mom's not into it but you know they're they're intrigued like um i took my son on it was a hike slash scouting trip last year uh the end of the summer he had a blast because he got while i'm looking for a deer sign he's splashing through a creek uh uh, you know we're pointing he's he's pointing out the the spiders and spider webs that are low to the ground that's what he can see Mm. um he he picks up a huge uh a branch and it turns into his walking stick. Um, he had a blast. I had a great time showing him 
um, the deer tracks and whatnot, and he loved it. Um, then my daughter, um, two years ago, when I when I uh, killed my first turkey, uh, I think the dopest interaction with my daughter for me was when my wife actually cooked it, and my daughter actually shared the meal with me, and I could see the wheels turning in her head mm. as she was able to connect the dots, like you know, we're eating this turkey and she's looking at this video of me walking with this turkey slung over my shoulder, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Mm. You know, my daughter's a, a bit of an adventurer. Um, and uh, so it's, I'm hoping the goal this year is that, uh, or next year I should say, is that she'll actually join me in the turkey woods for spring turkey season. Fun. Um, she, she expressed interest in using a crossbow. So I'm just like, you know, whatever's going to get you out there, no pressure. You know what I'm saying? But um, it's, it's one of those, you know, as a, you know, my favorite author, author once said, don't worry that children don't, and I'm paraphrasing a bit. He said, but don't worry that children don't listen to you. Worry that they're watching you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's and powerful. that's the thing. A lot of times you may not think, that, yeah, you know, you may not think they're listening to the words you're saying, but they are picking up on all of your actions and all the things you're doing. So, um, my, yeah, exactly. So my goal is to let my kids see that this is something I really enjoy. Um, and that I'd like them to be a part of, but there is no pressure and for them to find their own journey in it, you know? So I was, I was just, when my daughter expressed interest in Turkey hunting, I didn't even ask her if she wanted to hunt. Um, we were just talking about my Turkey hunting and she expressed interest in it. And then the fact that she knew, she might be comfortable, a lot more comfortable with a crossbow as opposed as opposed to a vertical bow. I thought that was awesome because we'd never spoken about mm. crossbows before. So whatever's going to get them out there. And with my son, um, it seems like he's really taking a, an interest in hiking. So we've talking, we've spoken about getting him, you know, a pair of hiking boots and such for us to just get right back in the woods and just do the same thing and just explore. Yeah. What's you know. If you could put a bow on it, if you put a 60 to 90 second elevator pitch to someone that <clears throat> is, is is reading or hearing or watching you and your experience and your maturation through all this and what you're doing with the NWTF chapter in New York City, what like what would you tell them? You know, um, I this goes for everyone. What they need to understand is this is yours you know what i'm saying um the concept of public lands was new to me you know saying knowing what um my tax dollars goes to and now what what money i put into uh hunting licenses and such it's it's out there for for everyone to enjoy anyone can do it um there may be um a couple of hurdles out there but they're nothing so immense that you can't jump them you know what i'm saying um, it, it's feasible, it's possible, and it's highly, highly enjoyable, and you'll never regret it. You'll never look back once you start. There's an ownership, and and you know, the, aside from the the harvesting of your food and talking about the meal you share with your daughter, I mean, there's a, a great example of that ownership. But when you're going out in these these places, wild places, or even wild places within a, a very non-wild space and to experience that to touch the earth to interact with it become part of it again there's it's 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 the most natural thing aside from breathing and eating that we do um and it's it's really cool to hear the stories and even if you're there in person to see you know uh, especially kids that aren't 
that that's not available to them all the time once they're in it and they're like it's they're just they net, net they they naturally pick it up it's intuitive to them like to pick up sticks and march with them and to poke at bugs or look at that i mean that that is and when you're participating in that splash in the water yeah when you're participating in that and there's a value to that that's part of that conservation story right and that Three. and the idea and you hope is that there's you start bridging those gaps and there's a buy-in and because of that value and at a very young age what you're doing they're watching you and there there's a value system to that now and, and, and at their young age they're going to take that and in their own uh, growth they're going to put their own twist on how that 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 value is to the land and god willing they'll be able to take that a step further than their dad um, we always yeah. try to improve on the the last generation and, and uh, for me i think that's just such a such a fun and really cool story to tell you know as we're as we're celebrating this week yep i mean and you add to that children are naturally inquisitive you know what i'm saying so the questions are going to come you know the why you know um it's 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 uh you know you teach one thing but why is it that way why does this look like this Mm. why is this this uh this tree dropping acorns and this one isn't producing acorns or whatever it may be. That's, that's what I love is um, because I mean, as an adult and learning about this myself, I feel like a little kid myself sometimes with the way that I'm asking questions. I just love learning, being able to share it. And then now having my own kids ask the same questions and, and let them, um, you know, connect the dots and, and figure out the things for themselves. Or if they don't know, just, ask you know what i'm saying cliff talk to us uh more about the, the upcoming event that culminates on uh, national hunt fish day uh saturday of of conservation week so that uh we mentioned before our archery basically there's a family workshop archery for beginners um and what our goal is is essentially to engage families you know parents and children who who've never shot archery before. You know what I'm saying? I mean, as an organization, we are a hunting organization. Uh, our goal is to preserve the hunting heritage, but I believe it starts with just teaching about the basics. So for me, it was archery. When I found archery, I just steamrolled right into bow hunting. Um, I believe it'll be the same for the parents that we engage. And um, but then it's like, I'm going to tell you right now, this archery range that we're holding our event at, uh, it's across the street for a low-income housing project, right? And I remember when I first started going to this range, I happened to ask one of the instructors, I was like, oh, how many people from the neighborhood, you know, come into this range? Dude said zero. You know what I'm saying? And it's not their their fault. Like, I don't want to blame them like, oh, you're not marketing towards these guys. But truth of the matter is, if the kids, the families in the, in this in this projects are anything like me growing up. I never saw a person that looked like me shoot archery, mm. go hiking, go fishing, anything like that. And it's one of those things is you don't even think that it's something possible for you to do, you know. So I've I've reached out to so many uh, neighborhood organizations within the area, schools in the area, and I'm hoping you know for it to be a success for for people in the community to know, hey is an activity that in our minds as people of color, we don't traditionally do, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's the truth or, or not, uh, it's our perception. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, I was always taught to believe that perception is reality. So we want to change that perception. We want everyone of every ethnicity to understand that <clears throat> this is available to you. It's fun. It's for everyone. And they just come out and do it, come out and enjoy it. And the end goal is to just, you know, have fun with these families from the, you know, within the community. Uh, let them learn about archery, have fun together, uh, learn about the NWTF and um, learn shoot some archery. Yeah. Well, wh- what's the address? What's the time? And how can people uh, get registered for the event? Like how, you know, how can they show up? All right, so it is the event is taking place this Saturday from 12.30 to 2.30. Um, we've pretty much got the whole archery range. Um, it's at 480 Baltic Street in, uh, in Brooklyn, New York. I'm sorry. Um, and again, that's Gotham Archery. And the goal is for a families, um, you guys are interested, come on down. Not, well, don't come on down. you got to pre-register first. I'll supply you with the link if you don't mind. Maybe uh, throw it in your show notes. Yep. Um, otherwise, you can visit our Instagram page, NWT, at nwtf.nyc. There's a link there. Even my Instagram page, I've posted about it. That's at Urban Archery NYC. Um, if, if any of you listeners know of people in the New York City area, it's not for just for people in Brooklyn. Anybody in the five boroughs in New York City want to come down, parents, kids, aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, you're all welcome to come down. Uh, we have 42 slots available. Um, and I can't stress it enough when I tell you, it is a whole lot of fun. So please register. Um, you know, uh, hook up, not hook up, I'm sorry, lock down your spot, um, and just come out and have fun. 42 spots. And so they're going to first come first serve. So if you're hearing this or you've come across Cliff's, uh, social accounts, uh, get on it and then lock down your spots for a good time. But I suspect it won't be the last time, but this is the first time. So, um, you know, uh, get there if you can. Uh, archery equipment needed, or is Gotham helping them you know, out and providing? Yeah, basically, uh, everything. It's it's. I should add, it's twenty five dollars per family, which is a huge, huge deal for oh, you guys yeah. listening. That's great. Um, because normally, for one person taking an introductory class, there it's like anywhere from thirty to forty bucks, including the rental, the bow rental, and such. It's twenty five bucks per family. Um, so parents and kids, um, just, you know, sign up, uh, uh, get your spot and, uh, your bowls covered, a uh, safety class is covered, um, whole introduct introductory class covered. Um, and all the kids that attend walk away with a free, uh, free Jake's membership. How about that? That's awesome. So, uh, <clears throat> follow all the links in the social posts. We'll make sure the the, the uh, information's available. Um, good luck on that event, man. That's that's fantastic. I'm sure it'll it'll balloon from here after our first event. Um, you guys will likely have other chapter events coming up. Any uh, any conservation efforts in the in the area you want to highlight that you're aware of, or are we just this is our focus is here in the chapter. Well, I'm hoping to be many events. Um, I don't want it to be, while we're getting, you know, people familiar with archery, I want it to be a lot more outdoors oriented. Um, So I'm in the works over the weekend. I was uh, talking of of partnering with a a neighborhood school 
Um, and I want there to be an opportunity for these kids to get outdoors, to do things um, like a, a, what do you call it? A park cleanup, yeah. um, you know, or get out and learn about, um, you know, deer or turkey in the area, learn how to scout, um, go fishing, things like that. So um, conservation and other outdoors uh, activities will be coming soon. Awesome. Um, it's 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 like I said, the focus is this with it being National uh, Conservation Week and then Saturday being the National Hunting and Fishing Day. So it's just fo- we're focusing on that day. Then we're going into deer season. So I know it's going to be hard to get uh, people um, who are already in the hunting community engaged. So I might try to figure out something that, you know, non-hunters or non-outdoors people get them engaged in so it, with whatever it can be throughout the uh, basically the fall season and then the goal is by february march of next year to really have a, i can't um a calendar for the whole year of events and activities that engage not only current nwtf members but uh also non-nwtf members and potentially get them within the fold of the organization that's awesome well you guys are doing a heavy lift up there uh, <clears throat> the organization and and beyond are so proud of the work you guys are doing and the passion and the effort that is put forth. So uh, certainly a, a tip of the cap to you and uh, all of your chapter and those who are, who are, you know, really getting after it um, and good luck uh, on Thank Saturday. You. And from, from our end, we will help out as much as we possibly can and put as much limelight <laughs> on this. And uh, I suspect, uh, come Sunday, come Monday, there's going to be a lot of good feedback and how can we do this again and how fast can we do it again? So, um, good stuff, brother. Hey, thanks. Thanks for your time. Uh, coming from the the back of the truck on route, safe travels (laughs) and, uh, happy, happy conservation week and happy hunting. We're here. This is, we're in it. So thank goodness. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Next up on this special Conservation Week episode of the podcast, we are joined by uh, doctors, Dr. Brett Collier, Dr. Kevin Ringelman uh, down at LSU. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for carving out some time in your very busy weeks. Hey, Fred. Yep, good to be here. So there's a we got a good uh, good amount of content with uh, Brett Collier down at the uh, Asheville, the 12th uh, Wild Turkey Symposium. We, you guys got to hear a lot from him about the ongoings in turkey research, uh, things happening across the country, the good, the bad, the middle part of that. Uh, we're going to bring something a little different to Conservation Week uh, in this this spot. And then Kevin and, and him will tell you about this awesome program they've got going on. I thought it was just an absolutely appropriate time in conservation week to talk about uh, your, and I want to get it right as a rookie hunter program or did I reverse it? That, no, that's, that's fine. Yeah. We're, we've got a, uh, uh, we've had a longstanding um, collegiate new hunter recruitment program that, that Kevin and I kind of oversee, uh, you know, facilitate here at LSU and, we're working with um, the Hunting Wire, uh, Jay Pinsky's uh, group, to this year on kind of a, a new approach to it, um, calling it the Rookie Series. And, um, you know, working with Jay and, and a bunch of uh, of other people to uh, try and uh, 
is that you've read um, working with Jay and a, and a bunch of groups to try and, uh, you know, support engaging our collegiate age students into uh, hunting, you know, getting them engaged in, in hunting and, and, you know, explaining to them it's used as a management tool and how it plays into conservation. And we tend historically from hunter recruitment and our three standpoint, which is a big deal to all of us, have, have focused hunter recruitment on, you know, kind of the kids, you know, take a kid hunting. Right. And our philosophy, Kevin and mine's here at LSU is, I don't want to say that it's different, but it's complementary. I think in that it's not just about taking a kid hunting, but why not take a college kid hunting? Yeah. Because they've got cars and could drive and can get places and college is an area for new experiences and yeah. to try new things. They've got a, a social group that that engages in a bunch of different stuff. So it seemed to us that it would be a really good way to, you know, get more people engaged at an older level. Um, that can potentially immediately take the sport up. And so we've been doing this for, what is this, our ninth year, uh, Kevin? Yeah, we started in 2008. Yeah, uh, for but for Kevin and I. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, the program here started with Frank Rohr, uh, who's with uh, Delta Waterfowl, and actually Larry Reynolds, who's with the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And then um, when I started here in 2014, I inherited it. Right. And, and then, I picked it up in 2015. Yeah. Then Kevin came in at 2015 and we kind of worked together on it, you know, side by side uh, every year on it. So. So the, the participants in this program, are they largely from the region or are these students from all over the country that are attending LSU in the program and they're really experiencing something for the first time? So this is we've we've focused thus far on students within the wildlife program, mm -hmm. um, which is where both Brett and I teach. And in a lot of ways, it's a culmination of their education. Okay. So we we tend to select students from uh, Dr. Collier's uh, senior level wildlife techniques course. And so they've had, you know, three years before that of learning about habitat management, wildlife identification, the importance of, of hunting to wildlife, the North American model. Um, and so this is really, you know, a culmination of that those classroom and field experiences to then get to go out and participate in in the in the hunting adventure. Um, you know, that being said, uh, we have drawn students from petroleum engineering um, uh, from over in uh, life sciences. Brett, where are the the two? Young uh, yeah, um, we have uh, one student this year from chemical engineering. Uh, one student from economics. We have one from computer science. That has come in. Um, we actually have a physics PhD student from Tulane down in New Orleans that came up to take the class with her sister. Um, you know, so so we're starting to expand out. I think that I've got a whole stack of hunter education cards that I filled out this morning sitting <laughs> on my desk because nice. Kevin and I are both hunter education instructors and teach the class. And I think I filled out around 53 this morning um, for, for the first tranche of students. Um, we, we also have, you know, this is the standard graduate students um, from your conservation, uh, you know, conservation programs. But what I would say are like game wildlife adjacent. Mm. So you have, you know, students who, uh, who study birds in Africa that have, have taken the program this year. Um, you know, we have some students who study fisheries, some students who are in forestry. Um, you know, we've got a couple of ag business students that have come through this year. So so we're we're slowly uh, increasing, I think, our capacity, Kevin, um, I would say. Yeah, um, usually we end up doing uh, somewhere between, let's just call it around 75 to 80 hunts a year um, with, with Kevin and I kind wow. of overseeing those. And those are split about 
two thirds waterfowl hunts. Yeah, probably. And and about one third uh, deer hunts. And and there's some extra in there. You know, we have some squirrel hunts. And we have a couple of kids that want to like, go hunt woodcock or something yeah. like that. Um, but but usually we tend to kind of hit, you know work with waterfowl because it's easier and we can do larger groups. Sure, sure. Um, and then with deer, it's a lot more one on one. So we just do a fewer number of those. But this year, as Kevin knows, this year's been a bit a banner year for us. Um, uh, you know, because of the rookie series and working with the hunting wire, um, Benelli. Uh, USA has actually come on board and is uh, sponsoring the program and sent us uh, a bunch of uh, shotguns for, for the program this year. And then, um, you know, as everybody knows, Nomad Outdoors has been a longtime supporter of NWTF. For sure. Um, and, and they've been a longtime supporter of our program. Uh, uh, Jason Hart and, you know, Mike Tussie have, have all been back to us and, and they've been supplying, you know, clothes yep. for the students. They sent me this yesterday, which is great. Very nice. um, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but more excitingly is you we're starting to branch out the program a little bit to some of our other partners. And, and I'll talk a little bit about the kind of the deer stuff and Kevin can talk about the, the waterfowl stuff, but um, Barnett Crossbows here in Baton Rouge. Yep. Um, it has, has, we've reached out and been in communication with them and they're actually going to help us uh, sponsor archery crossbow deer hunts this year, um, which is, which is great. Um, the Dallas Safari club um, out of Fort Worth, you know, um, their, their CEO is, is a professional colleague of mine and he's going to come in and, and he's going to mentor some of our, our new deer hunters this year um, to, to provide them an opportunity. And then I'll let Kevin talk about, the, the waterfowl mentoring side of it, because that's kind of more his area. So. Yeah, sure. So um, we run anywhere between 30 and 40 waterfowl hunts um, every year. Uh, we do a couple early season teal hunts um, that are, that are sponsored by, um, by private clubs. I mean, that's the other thing is that none of this, this program would not be possible uh, without, you know, private sponsorship uh, from some of these, these duck club owners that, that give of their, you know, of their time and their facilities and their staff and their guides to really make this happen. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a really great model for university, corporate, private partnership to advance the R3 agenda. Yeah, for uh, sure. A really useful model going forward. So we do a couple of early teal hunts, um, and then we have uh, some some big duck hunts in November, December, January. Um, kind of get the, the, you know, different, different, uh, types of waterfowl hunting, different seasonalities, different techniques and things. Um, the students have a blast. The, the, the duck hunting allows, I, I going from my limited knowledge, because I, I am crazy turkey hunter, so I gave up the duck thing a long time ago. No, do what you're good at, right? <laughs> I spend more money on, on spraying shells into the air than I do uh, enjoying a nice duck dinner, but uh, I digress. Uh, I got to imagine as it progresses out through the season that that variety with the migration patterns and things like that just allows for so much opportunity and more people to that variety in the species itself, especially for wildlife professionals or, or would be wildlife professionals uh, has got to be just a huge, um, a huge draw for them. Yeah. I mean, and it's also the the diversity of habitats that we yeah. hunt as well. I mean, here in Louisiana, we're really fortunate to have access to everything from freshwater coastal marsh, which is where we do our teal hunts to uh, some rice hunts later in the year, uh, which pull a different suite of species um, sort of north of, of Lafayette. And then we hunt um, sort of 
um, not really in the MAV, but in some some um, some bottomland hardwoods habitats up near Shreveport. And so you get different mixtures of species. You get mallards and woodies um, and some pintail and things like that up near Shreveport, green teal. And then, you know, you get your your gadwalls and um, things like that in the rice. So um, it's it's been it's been it's been delightful. That's awesome. Well, when you started talking about the opportunity with with, you know, going from taking young kids under, you know, uh, high school age type kids and mentoring them. And in our three circles, we often talk about we lose those kids at the college level. They leave mom and dad. They leave the support system. They're pretty poor. You know, they're they're attending class, they're paying whatever bills they may have, feeding themselves and so on. And it becomes somewhat of a barrier to continue uh, their hunting experience because they're just trying to make it through college and you end up losing or you were losing people because uh, just just through going through those motions and then getting into their profession. This is such a fantastic program to continue the maturation of that hunter from the teenager or the young person and then continue to bridge that gap now they're adults and professionals finding their way through their careers and it's just it is really who they are and a part of their 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 makeup and there's no lapse in that and that's that's such a huge a huge victory um without overstating it <laughs> no, I think Kevin agree for sure, Brett. I mean, and, and one of the benefits we've got here is Louisiana's, you know, it's it's the sportsman's paradise, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you want to if you want to hunt or fish something, you could come and do it in Louisiana. But the other beauty of this program is that not everybody that comes through it's a not, uh, you know, is someone who hasn't hunted before. And one of the and Kevin, I assume will agree with me. And, and please add on if you got a, a, an additional thought, but. One of the benefits of this is that these kids, these students, they're all in classes. They're, they're all taking the same classes. They're going through together. And usually what happens is they, they go on their first hunt with us, but there are guys and girls already hunting our sure. program. And, and there becomes a, I, I don't want to use the, you know, the synergy type of word, right. But there becomes kind of a group dynamic mm. to where they go hunting with Kevin and I, and then, you know, they might go out with one of, you know, Jackson might take somebody or Haley might take somebody, or, you know, the, they'll go to somebody's camp for the weekend and, and chase squirrels just to, to hang out. And it, it builds camaraderie among the student body. And, you know, the ones that are more experienced, I don't want to say kind of take the other ones under their wings, but I, but I say that's kind of what happens. So, Kevin, did I say that about right? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and there's, you know, student organizations. We've got a student chapter of the Wildlife Society. We've got a student chapter of Ducks Unlimited. And so those are other peer groups that exist outside the academic structure where students can find peer mentors and things like that for hunting. Um, and, you know, a lot of our new hunters have, have had a historical interest in hunting. They just haven't had an opportunity. Mm. I mean, I was with uh, a young woman, um, Amelia, this last, uh, what, three, four days ago? And yeah. We were at Pine Island, and sh she was texting with her dad, who was super jealous that she got this cool opportunity to hunt, you know, ducks, this primo club, right? But he didn't take her hunting when she was when she was a kid. And so this is this is a, a cool opportunity for us to to fill in some of those gaps um, and really provide, um, you know, what, what can be a really transformational experience for our students. That peer to peer mentorship is such a valuable and often unchampioned or talked about um, variable in this whole equation of, 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 of continuing and, you know, the R3 efforts and just creating a hunter and 
you know, as so many people we talk to, you guys talk to and experiences, there's this ego, there's this perception, there is this the barrier of intimidation. And to have one of your peers, someone that you're on the same level with, uh, be able to break things down or just go for a walk in the woods and, and pick off squirrels. That's huge. That's that's super empowering. And, and that the ability to build, build that confidence uh, at that level and not be intimidated by a professor or a hunter ed instructor, because, I mean, to us, it's not intimidating. But to a first timer, I mean, you're just looking at these people like, well, they're the end all be all. And I, I can't screw up around these people. But around your buddies, you have that leeway. And then to build that self-confidence, that's priceless. That's great stuff. <laughs> I think it also, um, it builds a culture of inclusion as well. Mm. And so, yep. you know, you don't have to be, uh, you know, Cajun guy grown up South Louisiana, <laughs> drives right. Silverado, right? I mean, if you see, yeah. in our case, lots of other young women or yeah. minorities who are engaged in the sport, then that builds confidence in new hunters of those same demographics that this is for them as well. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and our students, uh, to a person, our undergraduate students that do hunt, they're as excited about this program uh, because that means they get the opportunity to mentor. Yeah. And, and usually we try to do almost all of our hunts. You know, we try to intersperse some people that have skills into our hunts because they provide, you know, if you're in a boat in the morning with a guide and you've never hunted before, it's nice to be able to look across the boat, see somebody from class, you know, and know that they're there to help you and they're there to, you know, work with you. And so that, that peer-to-peer mentoring at this at the collegiate level is really really useful. And I, I couldn't oh, yeah. agree with you know with Kevin and you any more on that because the, you know and they t- and the best part about it is they talk about it all the time. Yeah, you know they come back to school and and that's all they talk about for three or four days and everybody's waiting for their opportunity. So it's it's a it's really you know it's a nice collegial way to kind of run a program. Like yeah, this. That's, so that's fantastic. Do you see? Um, copycat programs i mean that in the nicest way like is is this taking foot across the nation i i know coming from uh university of new hampshire for a limited time i was in the wildlife program uh and this would have been great up here and it would have been just because because of our access the ability we have in land sharing this this would be an excellent program for the university of new hampshire um you go you want to do this in kevin you want me to yeah, go ahead. Um, so yes, um, and and that's exciting. So uh, concurrent with with the founding of our program, an independent um, John Eady at UC Davis uh, founded a a waterfowl hunting collegiate program that's run through the California Waterfowl Association. Um, and so the, for for a long time, it was just LSU and UC Davis doing this. And then about uh, maybe two three years ago, uh, Delta Waterfowl Foundation uh, hired somebody full time to basically be a go between between universities and their membership uh, at various states to try to expand this program. And so um, it's now there's some version of this in place uh, piecemeal across something like forty or fifty universities awesome. now. So yeah. it's it's growing. Um, but but certainly, you know, we're proud of what we have here at LSU in the sense that that it's we have it every year. We put through a lot of students um, and, you know, we've built sort of a, uh, a really successful pipeline for, for how to get this done. For incoming students or I guess as they're working through, you said this is at the senior level, so they're, they're working through their undergrad. Um, at what point do, is there an application process if kids are in your program? Obviously, if they're in your program, they're aware of it. But say yeah. incoming freshmen. Uh, they have their eyes set on this. How do they, what's the process like for, for being a part of this program? 
If you and, and I'll, if you want to learn, take Hunter's Ed and learn how to hunt. I will. We we will make it happen. There's no. There's no. You don't have to apply. There's no restriction. We so historically, it's been run out of the senior level class, and, and the reason behind that is, Fred, is that there's only there's two and a half of us, right? Because we have a really good colleague, Luke Laborde, who couldn't be here today. Um, but but he has administrative duties and other things that he does, right? Um, so so we're I don't want to say at max capacity, but let's just say that on the weekends, Kevin and I don't have a whole lot of time. And I spent <laughs> yeah. a I spent a lot of days up here till eight or nine o'clock yeah. teaching class. But um so we've historically been limiting it to the senior class because we usually have about there's about 60 or 70 students in the senior class and most of them pass through the techniques class that I teach. So it's kind of a good catch-all, right? But um we've started to have students from Kevin's uh, Principles of Wildlife Management class, my Natural Resource Policy and Management class, which are 2000 level classes. Sophomore. And so, yeah, sophomore level. And then um, a few in the 3000 level. And, and our problem becomes one that everybody struggles with, right? It's volunteer capacity. Sure. Because this, this you know, we operate this fully. I don't want to see say separated from the university because we have a great support structure here within R&R. Here at LSU, they are very, very proactive about our program. Um, I mean, they don't fund it or anything like that, right? But, but you know, we can use LSU equipment. We we use the bands to get people around and that kind of stuff. Um, there's only, so, but there's still only so much capacity that Kevin and I have. Yeah, just so, two people. There's just two people, right? And we've got, you know, I mean, Kevin's got kids. I got kids. You know, it's that kind of stuff. We sure. got lives. Um, but we're growing, and you know, we we hope to continue growing. Um. Our biggest limitation, and, and I know this sounds really stupid when the individual hunter thinks about it, but um, our biggest limitation is how is and remains outfitting these kids. Mm. We get 50 to 60 new kids every year. Most of them have never hunted before. They don't have firearms. They don't have any familiarity. Yeah, I mean, we, we buy. <laughs> Thank goodness. And if, and if I showed, no, if I showed you under my desk, I've got 30 flats. Wow. Of shot of steel shot for practicing. I mean, we, we spend a lot of money on on ammunition, a lot of money on firearms. And historically, we would go to Walmart and buy all of their hunting clothes. Yeah. You know, um, but but fortunately, we've you know, we've started to, you know, have these relationships with your you know, Benelli, Nomad, all those guys. Um, you know, coming to the table and helping us out. And that's allowed us to expand um, a lot. And, and I don't want to leave um, the duck people out here, but you know, Delta Waterfowl Ducks Unlimited have been fantastic supporters of the program as well. Um, you know, they, they send people down and, and interview the students and, you know, provide opportunity, you know, and support. So, you know, it, it's not, um, we're all in this together. Absolutely. That, that's the way, uh, Becky, I'm working with Becky Humphreys, you know, the, the NWDCO to potentially do turkey hunts next spring. That's with, fantastic. With, with her to fur, because I mean, you can't turkey hunt like you duck up, you know, to do right. set up three or four hunts, Jason Hart and Jay Cantrell there in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, those guys are, are going to set something up with the, the low country uh, gang and yep. try and get some turkey hunters in there. So everybody thinks we can't leave turkeys out of, you know, an NWTF conservation week. Sorry, guys. <laughs> right. um, but, but it's, it's been a great program so far for us, and we hope that the foundation that we're laying here, at least I do, supports other universities in building that sort of capacity. 
So what do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I agree. I, I was just um, cogitating on, you know, uh, Fred was asking about, you know, the application process and why we choose the classes that we do. And, you know, I think there's real value in, in running at a, at a senior level because the other thing that they've had is they've, they've, so they've had all these classes. And so I'm confident that they can identify a blue winged teal moving at them at 30 miles an hour and that it's not a wood duck. Right. And so, um, I so need to wildlife take that ID, class. <laughs> yeah, like habitat, you know, habitat ID, knowing all their wetland plants, I think really adds a lot of value for when they go out on the marsh. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can see, you know, the the habitat management that goes on yep. in some of these properties that that makes them such a haven for waterfowl. Yeah. The reason these students have great hunts because these are privately managed clubs that that put a lot of money into habitat management. Um, and so as seniors, having had the background, um, you know, in, in techniques and things like that, they recognize that. And I think they, they drive a lot of value from that. It must be really cool, uh, in your positions to, to see the light start coming on at that level, all the stuff they've read and taken tests on and, and done all the behind the desk study, but to see it practically to see it in real life. And then all the stuff connects. It's like, ah, that's the aha moment. This is, this is why this all works. And that's, so, that's got to be so course, rewarding. Yeah. No, it, it, Fred, it absolutely is. And, and one of the best things about it is, you know, you, you get whenever you think about social media, you know, and, and especially social media for hunting in general, it's always pictures of the harvest, right? Sure. That, that's what it is. That's that's look at what I, I But when you look at the pictures that these students take when they're out in the marsh or they're they're walking to the deer stand with us or something like that, it's pictures of marsh plants. It's pictures of the sunrise. It's pictures of gallinules or egrets or, you know, they take binoculars as well as shotguns because you never know what they're going to see. And that kind of holistic view of, you know, natural resources while hunting is really kind of a, 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 a thing that we try to teach them here as they kind of proceed through our program. I think, uh, you know, I I like to affectionately call it just nerding out. And I mean that in the (laughs) nicest way, because, you know, you look at folks like us that are just that live this stuff daily, every single day. It's it's a part of who we are professionally and and outside of our professions. And I'll I'll do the same thing when I go out. I'm I'm, I get more geeked out finding a fresh uh, dust bowl with fresh tracks in it and, you know, breast feathers left in it. And I say, oh, you know, here's the mystery. Here's the here's all the puzzle. And I'll post that stuff more then I'll post a dead turkey any day just because I find I find all the clues to the puzzle more fascinating. And when you reach that level and like like these like these students are, that's that's when you I, I feel like it's a pureness. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. gone beyond filling a tag. And I, I think that's where we all want everyone to be, especially when we're talking about conservation in conservation week that, um, that, you know, that harvest is part of it. But there's so much more to get to to get to that that one moment. And Fred, you talk about the, the lights coming on. I mean, the, the greatest moment in, in a, a hunt, hunting mentor's life is to, is to see whoever they're mentoring, you know, harvest an animal for the first time. And mm. so, you know, I'm sure a bunch of your listeners, maybe, you know, mothers and fathers who have uh, you know, seen their kids, you know, get into the sport or whatever. And it's pretty magical, right? And so oh, yeah. it's it's incredible to have that opportunity every year. Yeah, every year. So every year. Every, every duck that was shot this weekend was somebody's first duck. Yeah. That's incredible. And so just, you know, when they, it's different than bird watching, right? And so when they make the choice to, to, to shoulder that gun and pull the trigger and reduce that, that public trust resource 
that blue-winged teal and reduce it to private possession, something that they will take home mm. and eat with their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is. I mean, that's that's a sh- total shift in their worldview. It's it's seismic. Yeah. And it's instant. They go from from observing uh, the food web to participating in the food chain. And I think that's it's really transcendental for our students. And I would suspect and, and likely put a paycheck on it that if you ask those those folks three years ago, is this within reach? Most of them, if not all of them would say no, like this is something I, I read about in a magazine or I see on TV. It's, it's not tangible right there. And once it is, it, it takes away that, that very tall mountain It's like, okay, this can be done. And then you start getting in that peer to peer. And then, and then it just, it proceeds itself. And, and you guys are just changing lives. Yeah, I think you know. I don't know about changing. We're, we're I don't know about changing lives. That's that's a lot. Oh, you are though. I mean, it's, it know? sounds very hallmarky, but it's all all we're doing is is we're le- we're trying to take this mountain of roadblocks yeah. that that potentially exist in front of people to get engaged in you know outdoor related recreation and hunting, and we're trying to turn it into a prairie. We're trying to make it flat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so, and Kevin and I, you know, we're fortunate to have the opportunity to kind of wear, you know, just take the top off the mountain every year for a bunch of kids and make it easier for them to get to the top of it. And, you know, one of the great things about this is and we, and you know, Kevin and I go on, we go on every hunt. We're, we're there when all the kids come back in, you know, we sit with them in the deer stands. We, we hunt with them in the duck blinds, you know, we do all of that stuff, but nothing's better than two or three years later. Whenever we get an email in October, November out of the blue from a student who went through our program of them sending us, I think about Julie, Kevin, right. Yeah. Hunting with her dad and layout blinds in North Dakota for ducks and geese. And I think it was October. Ran, ran, went through the program and never hunted before. And then random email one day of her standing there holding two big Canada honkers. And, oh. and she's about five foot tall right? <laughs> in her hands because she just, and you know, and we get those every year, every year, somebody who's been through this program or several kids show us that they're still engaged and they're still doing it. And that means that we did our job bringing that mountain down and, and making it accessible to them. And, and that's what really, I think we're both about. Well, it's it's truly awesome. And uh, I, I really thank you guys for sharing this story with our audience uh, on this special episode during our conservation week. Uh, any parting words, anything you would want to say uh, to the audience as it pertains to uh, anything local going on uh, to you guys at Conservation Minded? Go ahead, Kevin. You go first. I'll give a tip on the line. We we got. I mean, you guys know most of the listeners will know me just because the engagement of turkeys. How about this? I'll tell you all this. From a science perspective, uh, Hurricane Laura hit Louisiana a couple of years back. You guys uh, probably remember it caused substantial damage out in uh, the western portion of the state. It, it damaged a lot of our national forest area, the Kasachee National Forest. It impacted multiple ranger districts. Um, we actually just had a meeting between myself and LDWF and the Forest Service last Tuesday, and we will be continuing work on turkeys out in the Kasachee National Forest for the next four or five years. So there will be lots of cool, exciting, new sciencey things looking at uh, forest restoration and turkey populations coming from Louisiana probably over the next decade. That's great. So, yeah. And, uh, and Kevin, you can talk about ducks. It's okay. 
So <laughs> yeah, we, we just, I mean, we've got an active research program here at LSU. You know, we're always looking for for good students to come in and join the science, either as an undergraduate or as a graduate student. I've got projects with wood ducks and whistling ducks and model ducks in Louisiana, and then you know, working in the Dakotas and in southern Canada on ground nesting ducks, and so lots of opportunities for for science um, and and for hunting here. Awesome, gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks, Fred. All right. Thanks, Fred. Great to you. Still uh, recording here on this conservation week, culminating with the uh, day of conservation. We are joined by the one and only Cuz Strickland to talk about all things conservation and the Mossy Oak Day of Conservation. How are you, sir? Good to see you again. I'm good. I'm good, Fred. How you doing? I bet you're a busy guy this week. We're cranking it out one uh, one fun media post at a time, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, that's good. Hey, you're real good at it, so it's, I appreciate it's one of them it. deals like be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, lots of things to celebrate across this great land, um, but I wanted to I wanted to have you on to get your perspective. Uh, we were we were together in Asheville and. Had so much amazing uh, opportunity to to hear from industry prof- uh, conservation professionals in the turkey space, um, and we had a great episode out of that. But I wanted to get your feelings on on this week, uh, like this coming Saturday, the uh, the day of conservation, what you guys have planned, and then you know just talk to our audience about what what they can do to be involved at from the littlest <laughs> things to use your imagination. <laughs> That's right. You know, people stay busy and, you know, but the bottom line for it is, and nobody gets this better than NWTF, is that if 99.9% of things that get done under the wildlife conservation genre is done by hunters and fishers and then trappers and stuff like that, it's kind of fallen on our shoulders. And and I'm telling you, they they've done a fantastic job. So I don't I, we don't hesitate to promote it to to our audience because nobody nobody appreciates the outdoors more than people who hunt and fish and trap and hike and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's a it's a big deal to us. And you know, we always we've done some really cool stuff. We've done some big events. You know, they had the. My favorite one so far was the the Mossy Oak properties down in Vidalia, Louisiana, right across the river from Natchez, Mississippi, where I was born and raised. And they got all the local bass clubs together, and they did what they call the Trash Master Classic. <laughs> and, and they went out, and instead of catching fish, they went out on all those boats and just started cleaning lakes. And they brought it back under the Mississippi River Bridge there and had a weigh-in. And it was so much stuff that mm. came back and, and they were having a, a blast doing it, but it doesn't have to be anything that elaborate. I tell people, look, uh, you know, find somebody who wants to go learn about our world and be a mentor to them, get them involved, buy them a hunting license uh, or, you know, and you always hear plant a tree, clean up a stream and all that. Uh, one time, you know, myself and my family and my grand grandson grandkids we just picked up trash from our driveway all the way out to the county road Mm. and it it was just it was fun they were off their phones while they were doing it Mm. we picked up like nine it's just sometimes it's more about the message than it is the actual act and 
when people see you doing that, it's like, golly, that's that's good for the environment. It's also good for hunters and people that fish and all that stuff because like it or not, we kind of take that responsibility on our shoulders and our back and do it. You know, one time I was uh, I was sitting by a, a lady at an airport. I think it was Albuquerque or somewhere, but I, I apparently had some camel, some mazioko, mm. and she asked me about, do you hunt? And I'd been filming an elk hunt, but I answered yes, and she just, like, lit into me about this and that and how cruel it was and all that kind of stuff, you know. And when she got through, I was just nodding my head, and, and I, you know, I asked her how long she'd been a vegan. She said, well, I'm not. So I had a good argument there, and at the end, I said, I said, look, if you want to do something to help, I said, buy a hunting license. Because whether you go hunting or not, that money goes to what you're talking about, environmental protection. And one thing we don't do good enough is beat our own chest Mm. about about what we do. And and you know that. So it doesn't have to be a big event. It's just more about, hey, share the event Mm -hmm. on your social media and, hey, go pick up some trash or something. Be an example in your community and and hopefully – you know, you'd love to sit here and say, I wish this could be every day and we just get caught up in our lives and the hustle and bustle of all that. So it is nice to have a focal point and, and celebrate those wins, the organizational wins, uh, the stuff our, our volunteers specifically are out there, you know, every single day of the year working towards either fundraising or or physically out there Um uh, committed to a habitat project and delivering that habitat project. There's just so much going on, but it's nice to be able to, to, you know, do what you just said. This is our week to thump our chest and, and really let the, let the world know we're here. Uh, and, and we welcome all comers, everybody. I don't care if you got a duck on your hat, an elk on your hat, a mule deer, whatever, bring it, be part of this celebration this week of what we're doing um, and then set that example for the the ones that are always watching, you know, like you said, your grandkids are always watching, watching those kids come up for the last two years to become uh, almost Tom Miranda like trappers uh, running their <laughs> trap lines. That's amazing. Yeah, they 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 get it. And, you know, unfortunately, not everybody has that in their environment when they're growing up. That's why I'm very patient with people are starting to get into it because you, you got to see that. At some point, you got it because you're you're a product of your environment, and you know your kids are blessed. My kids are blessed. Most outdoor kids are blessed, but not everybody has that. That's why it's important to to kind of share that and and offer up. the 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 issue is, and I've said this before, if you want to get into golf, you can go down to the country club and get a lesson, thirty bucks for thirty minutes. You you can't do that in what we do. Somebody's got to be the mentor that. And that requires a lot of time, which we don't always have a lot of. But, you know, it's, it's here's the deal. If, if everybody recruited one person and got them into it and spent a couple of weeks with them, bam, we double our numbers now. Exactly. Some people cringe when you're talking about doubling your numbers. <laughs> yeah. And I, right. we talked, you know, I just had the, 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 the soon-to-be co-CEOs of NWTF. I had them down yeah. on my we did a great podcast, uh, Jason and Kurt, and we talked about that very thing. But it's like, yeah, you may get aggravated during turkey season when you go to the wherever you park on the public land and there used to be nobody there. Now there's, you know, seven Jeeps, five pickup trucks yeah. and a campfire. But, hey, that's just the way it is. And 
we need the numbers so we have the money to do the research and have the conservation and we live in a new day so you know the big hey you said it the most valuable thing we have is our time but if you'll pull the trigger and share that time with one person i promise you 80 percent or more of the people out there want to live the lifestyle that you have and i have mm. they, don't, they don't know how to get to it so we got to help them with that and con- the day of conservation that goes to a lot of places and they may say well Man, those those people don't just kill animals. They're worried about the environment. That's a good message. Maybe that's the care to get them involved. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and I think you and I have actually talked about this in the past is that, you know, when you're talking to someone that's air finger quote anti hunting, anti what we do, um, and then you have us. Like when we get to the the end of it, I really believe like we're there 90 percent together with our passion for the resource. The, the environmental resources uh, make make a home in how they survive. It's just how we how we utilize that resource. And I like to eat good meat, good locally grown protein, uh, and they may not. So right up to that point of consumption, they may consume it through some glass, through their you know Nikon. That's great. And I don't I don't begrudge you that. And I consume it literally. I want to put that in my body because I I worked for it. And there's a, there's all this that goes with that. But I think, again, like we agree on so much that um, we focus on that very minute piece. Yeah, there's there's a few people out there you can't argue with. And uh, but You're most right. of them are, are really interested in the, the food part and the protein part and all that. And, you know, that's the great thing about turkey hunting. I've been a part of a lot of these field of forks and all that and talked to people and who were, and the last one I did was a very diverse crowd to say the least, mm. you know, purple hair, nose rings, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and that, they, that's what got them to the table was the food part of sure. it. And, but here's what the great thing about turkeys. That's a great place to introduce people because everybody can kind of envision themselves getting a turkey and throwing it over their shoulder and walking out. They couldn't, people can't do that with deer and elk and all. They got to figure out what do I do? I can kill it. I can get to that point. What do I do after the fact? So that's, that's kind of where people need some help. But the the food thing is almost universal. You know, it's so many people interested in that. And deep down, I believe the majority of the country feels like that. Uh, the the far left, some people you look at it and go, man, they live in bizarre world. They they just get so much media time and everything. If that's all you listen to, you'll think, well, we're we're all whacked, but we're not. A lot of great, especially the young young generation. I don't know what you call them. You know, there's baby boomers and yeah. Generation X and millennial, but these kids, these 14, 15, 16 year old kids. I'm around them all the time, thanks to my grandkids, and they ask some of the best questions. Mm. And, and what they're looking for is character and advice and solid people that are rocks. And they seem to be dialed in. It's, it's almost like we kind of skipped a generation and forgot about all that. But these young people, personally, I'm pretty excited about it. It's I. Th- I hope I'm right. And I think your sentiment is lining up with my thought on this for the last couple of years is that we've gone so far to the edge 
that we finally <laughs> we finally hit the the apex and we're on the downward slide and we're we're the the younger generations are regressing. They don't want to dye their hair and get tattoos and pierce this or that. They're like, whoa, whoa I'm, I'm you you guys are all crazy. We're gonna go a different yeah. way. So maybe we'll see. My my daughter is a prime example of that and. Uh, I was very impressed when she told me she, you know, she has no interest in all this other stuff, but I do have interest in, you know, what you're doing outside. And I was like, great, come on, let's go. You know, well, she learned that all your kids, they learn it by watching mm. you. You can have all the defining moments and sit down suppers and all that stuff. But in the end, they're watching how you roll right. and things that make sense. I, I think they're getting smarter and I, I really do have a lot of faith in them. And, uh, you know, it's like on my Instagram, uh, it's not like celebrity status, but I got a lot of followers. Yeah. And if you, if you go into the insights, it's males between the ages of 15 and 28, which, which is mind blowing to me, but it tells, it tells me the interest in what we do is out there. We just got to figure out better how to communicate. Well, they, the, the good side of all of this is that there's so much information at fingertip. That, you know, we used to have to go to an encyclopedia or wait for a publication to come out once every six weeks, hit your mailbox, wait for that VHS to get produced. And it's 18 to 24 months by the time it gets to your VCR. Right. So it's just you've had technology fast forward into into the Jetsons area uh, without the flying cars that and it's fantastic for these kids because when they have a curiosity, they literally dial it up and okay, that's how you do it. They find your old school videos on YouTube or current stuff. And and that, Oh, here's a resource. Here's a a virtual, I call them virtual mentors. That's how I came up through so much of this. And, you know, especially, you know, I've talked about trapping and I didn't have a trapping mentor here in New Hampshire. No one, when I got my license, there was uh, 400 licenses sold. That didn't mean there was 400 trapping uh, active trappers. That just was the licenses sold. So it was really hard to come by somebody. But I would go on to YouTube and and find guys all over the, the Midwest and the South down by you. And I just start. I had virtual mentors. I'll never meet these people. They'll never know it. But I learned a lot from them. And that's how these kids, it's automatic. That's just how they that's how they live. It's crazy. I caught my daughter who produces my podcast, Lauren, who's about as girly as you can get, although she's killed a lot of stuff. I caught her out in the parking lot the other day changing the taillight bulb on her Jeep. I'm like, where'd you learn how to do that? And she just held up her phone. It was on YouTube. So we got, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. People talk about social media, this is bad and all that. I, you know, and there is probably some bad things, but I, I think it's incredible that we have that vehicle to reach so many yeah. people back in the day when we were producing television big time on TNN and ESPN. I saw the checks, how much that cost to roll the dice to see if we could reach mm-hmm. 200, 200,000 people. Now, bam, do it on your phone. Yeah. And it's like, that's priceless. So we certainly need to take advantage of it. You guys do a great job of that. Y'all well, caught you. on quick. Y'all caught on quick. <laughs> and the messages are great. Uh, talked a lot about that with Kurt and Jason. They're dialed in and they're good listeners. Yeah. So I, I think the conservation stuff is, uh, of course, that's y'all's business. You've always been in that business. Yeah. And that's certainly the right message to put out there. It's nice to see, especially on my side of the computer screen, when you're you're diving into um, metrics and, and, and the different numbers, that there is a positive um, 
reception to that message. It's not always about a, a gripping grin hero shot or um, some absurdity. It's, you know, there is people, the audience finds value in the information and that knowledge is power for them and, and they, they can't get enough of it. So we're certainly happy to provide as much as we possibly can um, in a given day. Um, for sure. And this week is is a perfect uh, uh, conduit for that and, and success story sharing and, and celebratory stories. Um, and so what is Mossy Oak doing this week and then culminating? Uh, what, what is your messaging for for this coming Saturday? You know, there there's a lot. Taxi kind of challenged each individual to do whatever. And we don't really know what they did until after the fact. Mm. A lot of like my, my deals lined up. Uh, is my, my whole thing for this this coming Saturday's clover. We got everything primed and ready, uh, got the seed and all that, and I'm gonna have all the grandkids out there, and we're gonna plant about a full acre wow. clover clover plot, and to just to let them see, have some skin in the game. We everybody does a food plot. Uh, when you do real clover, it's kind of you got to do some maintenance and stuff like that. And starting Saturday, I'm going to show them how that begins and then take them all the way through the spring and all that kind of stuff. Because to me, clover is a great crop. You know, everything uses it. Mm. So I thought, man, that, that's two birds with one stone. I'd like to have it, but let's let them plant it and show them how to do it. And it, and it doesn't have to be that elaborate. You know, I told him, I said, look, here's a great idea. They're they're harvesting around me right now. Everybody's cutting corn, yep. <laughs> fixing to cut soybeans. I said, here's an idea. I said, go get you six or eight bottles of water and a snack and a little ice chest. Flag one of those compounds down and just hand it to the farmer. Hmm. Buddy, you, you, you're talking about a underappreciated group of people right there. But, you know, 99% of those people hunt and fish and trap. They, they have to kind of watch out for the environment because oh, yeah. that's where they make their living. Lots of easy ways to make a statement, a statement on Saturday, the 24th. But here's the deal. Make some kind of statement and then share it. Put it on your Instagram or your Facebook or your TikTok or whatever yeah. you got and let everybody know. That's not a grab and grin. That's like I'm bumping my chest for the right reason. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's not one of those uh, those humble brags. It's yeah, this is who this is our community. And again, it's lead by example. It's um, more come to the table. Like if, if, if your neighbor's doing it and you see your neighbor posting about it, like that's that's community. You guys, everybody can get in on that. Anywhere can go for a walk for a mile with a trash bag or, you know, like you yeah. said, buy a buy a hunting license online as long as you're legal in your state and you don't have to hunt if you don't want. Yeah, that money, that money could not be spent better in a different place. You know, I learned a lot at the, I keep calling it the Turkey Summit. It wasn't the Turkey yeah, Summit. The, it, it, the, uh, the symposium in Asheville. The symposium. I had, I learned so much there. Now I had mm. to have my phone open on the thesaurus <laughs> so I could, so I could, so I could understand what some of those biologists were talking about. But when you see, how the, the the funding they get, man, it's just like walking on a razor blade. The people don't just throw money at mm -hmm. that. They have to make use of every dollar and every dime. And and I learned so much there. I was like, golly, man, we need to make more awareness of that. Because people will complain about, uh, well, I didn't see as many turkeys. I didn't hear as many turkeys. There's too many people deer hunting on the WMA. Well, no decisions like that are made through hardcore facts and data. Those people operate off of one thing, mm -hmm. data. And we got to help them 
get the right data. That means funding, research projects, and all that. So anything you can do to get your thumb more green in any part of the con- uh, conservation world, man, you're helping a lot. That was such a good time. And I, I so many of the conversations I've had since Asheville always find their way back to that and those data sets and the research because it's, you know, it's not just a couple of guys sitting here opining about turkeys and, and wondering, like, here's real stuff. This is this yeah. work was done by professionals and was presented and you can you can count on it. And here's where they're going with it. Um, it was great to be able to cover that in this sort of medium. It's the first time it's ever been done. And uh, I, I know for a fact we're going to put a bigger megaphone on it for the next one. Um, and I think as we continue to do that, you know, especially with that specific um collection of professionals and uh, the audiences will will continue to gravitate to it they i don't think i don't think people knew what to expect when we first uh, were covering that and and brought that up and when we did by golly uh, people loved it and they said how yeah. can i get more how can i get in touch with you know that person or that biologist and you know I, ideally and now that's like like you just said how can i contribute how can i have skin in the game in that that research project in my backyard that i didn't know existed until this moment you know, I, I want to challenge everybody, especially the young people. If you want to, if you want to get a little look, if you want to go down a small rabbit hole, just Google and do some research on the Pittman Robertson Act. Not many people knows about it. I mean, people our age do, mm-hmm. but go read, go read how the Pittman Robertson Act came into being and the money it's raised since 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 its indoctrination and where that money goes. And you'll realize that the people who buy fishing lures and turkey calls and mossy oak and all that stuff, they, for the last several, many decades, have paid for everything. It's an amazing thing. Not many people know about it. And, you know, before you throw rocks at anybody that does anything, just go read about the Pittman-Robertson Act and you'll understand why the day of conservation is a big deal. That's a great challenge, cause and and uh, we'll go further and, and champion that, and I'm sure that that gets out right from right from Cuz Strickland. Uh, go check out the Pittman Robertson Act; it'll be the the best read if you have a curiosity about this area, how this all works. Um, you'll be better for it. Um, uh, this will release on Thursday, so in a couple of days from our recording session here, uh, a couple of days before the the day of the National Day of Conservation. So I don't want to let cats out of the bag, but you, you, you mentioned it. Our, our two uh, fantastic co-CEOs were down and enjoyed a, a round. I understand uh, that went very well and, and all and fun was had by all. And maybe even some some hardware came back to the NWTF. Yeah, that, those guys were great. We had a great time and I was so appreciative. My, my, my plan was to do a couple of podcasts with sponsors and stuff because they were really making a big deal. They spend money. And uh, it, it got so busy so fast because of the huge turnout. But I, I'll tell you, Kurt and Jason made the time. They stayed extra to come up here and do the podcast. And I had a long list of questions for them. Yeah. And I went down every road I could get. And, you know, when you say co-CEOs, you're like, hmm, I, you know, I don't know about that. And Becky, George, everybody's been so great, Rob. So you kind of think, what's the deal? But, buddy, when I got through talking to them, I was 
to say I was excited is an understatement because they're they're old enough to have some really good scars and and experience yep. and know how, but they're young enough to realize, hey, we're going to lead in a different way. We're going to use social media. We're going to use the people around us. Yeah, get getting great ideas. And I was like, wow, what 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 a what a good podcast to throw out to let everybody know, hey, no matter what you think. You know, listen to these guys out. You know, Mossio, big NWTF supporter, have been since oh, yeah. since before we didn't have money to to be involved. And, and and I tell people, look, calm down. Everybody there is on the same page as you. It's all about the turkeys. It's all about the habitat. And I joked at them a little bit about the new logo. I said, as soon as the new logo came out, I said, send me a hat. Right. I'm going to do I'm going to do a video. I jumped. You were the first. (laughs) And I said, look, people, it's just a logo. We need to address what's going to turn the head of a 15 year old and a 19 year old and an 18 year old and make sure everybody's on board. Because like it or not, we live in a different world now. And I've kind of made it a point to try to keep up. I don't want to be the weird old guy, but but I want to be you know, dialed in and plugged in enough to know what's going on. And I'm, I can guarantee you both of those, those men are plugged in and, and on the same page as all of us. For sure. Uh, when does that episode drop? If you, if you know that you want to plug that episode so our people can uh, cross over and listen. I don't have my calendar in front of me, but it, it will be a, I think it's a week from this coming Tuesday. Okay. So it'll be like like the first Tuesday or so in uh, October. In October. Very good. And I'll I'll send you a link ahead of time. Great. So you so you'll know the date. But it was a uh, you know well over an hour of uh, pointed questions, and I I dug deep into their past because I said you know, they're very interesting people, mm-hmm. and their their road to where they are was very interesting. I said everybody needs to know that because you won't always talk about it. And uh, I, I think it's very enlightening, and I'll really look forward to throwing that one up. Awesome. Well, I know our audience will, will definitely look forward to tuning in and downloading that episode um, when that comes out in October. Because we, we've gone a little longer than I asked for. I appreciate the, the time. Always, every time we talk, it, it could just go forever. And, and that's a fast half an hour right there. So, yes. Um, Look forward to Saturday. Look forward to seeing uh, everybody get together and celebrate culminating on Saturday. It's National Day of Conservation. Parting words for the audience, sir? Hey, I just my deal is be a warrior. You know, whatever it is, now's the time to speak up. So many people will sit back and go, I, I don't want to post that. I don't want to talk about that. Now's the time. And like Ted Nugent says, everything we do as far as conservation, hunting, all that, it's perfect. Mm. There's no reason. There's no reason to hold back. And uh, I'm I'm proud that I'm a trapper. I'm proud that Fred's a trapper. I'm proud that everybody has got wildlife conservation and habitat on their brain. And I'm saying to you, do something and post it so we can all see it. There you go. Be a war. Be a warrior. Be a warrior and celebrate your your wins. Cuz, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you, Fred. Looking forward to it. Bye. Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. 
The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear. It's Conservation Week 2022, and we're celebrating the hard work done by our volunteers and staff. As part of Conservation Week, we're offering a limited decal and t-shirt. I love the design so much, I put the decal on my car. So definitely go check it out. It comes with an NWTF membership, and it helps us continue to invest into wild turkey conservation. Speaking of which, if you would like to donate to Wild Turkey Research this Conservation Week, you can. You can find the link in the show notes for this podcast, as well as in our Instagram bio. Happy Conservation Week. We are rolling and welcome in our next guest for this Conservation Week special edition podcast, Miss Maddie Prue out of the great state of Rhode Island, state chapter president, and also... uh, Rhode Island DEM employee. So lots to potentially cover here in about 15 to 20 minutes. So let's see if we can all put it in there. But first and foremost, how are you? I think the last time our audience saw you, you were uh, gracing the silver screen of the NWTF movie series. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm well, 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 it's a great week. It's a week of celebration. Uh, all things uh, national uh wins local wins what's what's happening in rhode island talk to talk to us about rhode island and everything you guys got going on yeah so we actually have um coming up a few awesome events um next month actually our rhode island department of environmental management um the division of fish and wildlife is partnering with the ri resource conservation and development area council uh, the Natural Resource Conservation Service and our university here, URI, to host a Rhode Island Coverts workshop, which is creating wildlife habitat on your own land. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah. They'll learn like practices of forest management skills to apply at like a smaller scale so they can um, create habitat for wildlife on their own property. Which is great stuff to cover during this week because, you know, you think of Conservation Week, you know, we just had Cus Strickland on from Mossy Oak talking about, you know, you can tell people to go out there and clean up a river or plant a tree. But, you know, habitat management on your own property, uh, no matter what size you have, especially in Rhode Island when things are not as spread out. Right. Now, there are people out west that have properties the size of the state, but you can do (laughs) You can do these habitat enhancements and, and better your community, your neighborhood, and your literally your own backyard. Um, and, and and you can enjoy the fruits of Conservation Week every day. Every day can be Conservation Day when you're that invested in it. What are some of the the heavy hitters the the program can talk about, or you know, just some of the ideas you guys will be going over? Um, mostly like some 
basic wildlife habitat and ecological concepts of forest management. Yep. Um, I am not running that program. We have our our outreach specialists and biologists who come in and facilitate that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really cool program to have. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, and 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 what a challenge to lay down to landowners, um, in in any state. You know, we coming out of the uh, <clears throat> the turkey symposium um, in this past summer. You know, you talk about uh, working with your neighbors, land of butters. Even if their land is 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 marked, posted, and you know they're not down for hunting, you can at least have a conversation with people and work together cooperatively. So if you're enhancing your three acres, right, and the farmer next to you that abuts you's got ten or twenty five, and another piece, I mean, you can start working together in this cooperative method and really maximize the potential of the land that's out there. So you know the wildlife has just benefited by your little three acres that you, you own that you can do so much more with it. What what do you think those conversations are like? And, you know, specifically in, in Rhode Island, how is that being, uh, you know, accepted or, or, you know, conversations being had? Um, I personally do not know. I'm not the specialist with the habitat. Mm -hmm. Um, I did also, want to touch upon this is kind of going off that and more toward conservation that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. We just hired, he starts this week, actually an R3 specialist. Oh, great. You're not familiar with R3. It's recruitment, retention, reactivation of like his goal is to try to create more diversity in the hunting population, Mm -hmm. recruit new hunters, um, retain existing ones. And then reactivate those who have participated in hunting in the past, but haven't really been out there much lately. So we're going to try to bring those people back into it. That's pretty awesome. The state agencies for the state of Rhode Island is is going to have an actual position for for an R3 coordinator. I know here locally where I'm at, that's been a a challenge over the years. And when I was a, a county commissioner, I challenged that that agency to stand one up and they haven't yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful because I think, I think every state should have one of those, those representatives, one of those people as a focal point that, you know, lapsed hunters, new hunters um, can, can come to you as a resource and get put in the right direction. You know, that, that individual you just mentioned can point them to you as a state chapter president for, you know, leading nonprofit uh, conservation organization in the land and the national Wild turkey federation say here, here's a great group of volunteers you can get involved with. And that'd be more than happy to help and mentor you and get you involved in, in that conservation mission. Uh, put a pin in that for a second. I do want to go back to the question I asked. I know you don't specifically deal in that, but you know, as, as a hunter, in a, in a state like Rhode Island, what has your experience been with with landowners? You, you know, you, you're knocking on doors. Are they receptive? You know, there's there's some level of of that cooperation in a, in a place oh, yeah. that's so so crowded. Small, yeah, yeah. For small and crowded um, landowners, usually if they have the land, they're very polite as long as you approach them yeah. with respect and explain what you're doing and provide maybe a little bit more of conservation aspect to it instead of just like, I want to hunt and like sure. harvest an animal on your land. Cause that's not really, especially if they don't hunt, that's not really too appealing for them. 
So. It's good messaging during this weekend to highlight those landowner relations as, you know, as people that are out there in our pursuits, we don't own that property. And <clears throat> this audience knows, you know, I'm uh, I'm very happy to live where I live because of our colonial land sharing traditions we enjoy here in most of New England. Um, is that if it's not posted, you can play on it essentially, but we still have those landowner relations. And part of that conservation story, um, the success stories is, is working with landowners, privately held parcels of land. Um, and some of those aren't aren't even friendly to um, our way of life, but understand the benefits of it. So it's, it's you know, the lesson in learning how to talk and have those interpersonal um uh, the relationships and, and the conversations, being able to articulate a point and and not just kind of be out there like a like a bumpkin, like you said. I just want to go out here and fill a tag. Like there's there's certainly more to that. Yeah, definitely. And if they're not open to it, you still have to respect that and don't be obnoxious and whatnot. Yeah, sure. Get angry. What um what are you guys got going on there for the state organization? Any any goal setting? I know uh, the the regional director very well, dear friend of mine, Carter Heath. What uh, what conversations you guys having? What are you, what are you doing in, in your state? So we actually um are just finishing wrapping up our first Ocean State Fantails banquet. Awesome! It was our first fundraiser banquet, and I think we had a great turnout, and it was. Awesome. So we're working on wrapping up um, the finances aspect of that mm-hmm. and seeing what else we can come up with for maybe the winter and next summer season. Sure, sure. What is it? Uh, what What does it mean to you? You know, to 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 be a volunteer leader when you when you work for a state agency like you do. Um, but then you get to you get to put you know the stuff you do for work on your daily into into practice on the volunteer side and you know work to inspire people and and, and ask people to come do what you're doing and give them the most valuable commodity and that's your time. What's yeah. that like? So I'm extremely passionate about um, wildlife conservation and hunting, and I didn't grow up into it, so we'll grow up from it. So. Um, it was hard for me to get into it and I don't want that to be a barrier for other people. Mm -hmm. So I want to be that person volunteer based or employment based that someone can come to and like, I want to start hunting or I want to start volunteering and putting my time into wildlife conservation. Where, how do I do it? Where do I get started? And I want to be that, like that person because I didn't know where to go and who that person was when I first started. So I want to be that person people can come to and I can introduce them into the outdoors and get them started on what conservation and hunting and angling to and just get them out there doing it. For your state, I imagine between the the great turkey hunting that's available in the outstanding coastline, you know, there's some pretty good opportunities uh, for introduction into both spaces or just just buying a license and, and participating in, in some outdoor activity. Um, the the striper fishing is probably some of the most world class down there yeah. in that South Shore Um uh, it's got to be. I don't. I think the the folks maybe look over the area just because of the size and it's kind of passed through. But there's a lot of opportunity there. 
Yeah, for sure. And we also have a bunch of like secondary, we call them secondary hunter education courses, which not necessarily focus on harvesting an animal, but we do like land navigation to just make sure you know your way out there in the woods. Um, Huge. Big skill to have. Oh, yeah. Some ground blind construction, which you don't really need that for hunting. You can use it as a shelter or whatnot if you want to camp. Um, what else do we do? You guys have that great facility. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember the name. It's a camp. As it was originally, it was a, I want to say it was like a troubled teens. um camp back in the 50s or 60s and it's this beautiful facility that you guys have uh, for the for the public for to run your programs talk about that area yeah so it's called they call it camp e-hunty um so it was i think a juvenile camp um for kids to come and camp out there and do outdoor work and get them out of wherever they were coming from Mm -hmm. so the state took it over i'm not too familiar with that process, but the state took it over and now we use it for outdoor education. Right. Um, we're developing with our wildlife outreach team, some field trips. We want it to be like a hub of wildlife and outdoor education field trips. Cause we do, ha- we do have a pond down there, um, an archery lane. Yeah. So in that classroom, that's a, Awesome classroom with the industrial kitchen. And you got the kitchen. So. You got the outbuildings for camping. I mean, it's it's a really yeah. beautiful place. And if you didn't know you were in Rhode Island, you would think you were in some big woods somewhere up north. Yeah, yeah it's got that big woods feeling to it, right? A lot of people drive down there like this is in Rhode Island. I've never. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I never knew this existed. Yeah, yeah. So, as a as an agency professional, as a volunteer leader. Um, you know, what, what's your message to, to anybody, you know, that's hunter or not, you know, during this conservation week, what would you, what are you saying to the public? Um, it's a pretty big question, right? I mean, it's kind of hard. Yeah, to dial it I, all in. <laughs> I would say just be passionate and respectful with anything you do. Um, if, and yes, that's. I would challenge them to be involved, especially, you know. um, Yes. Yeah. And be involved. Take part in your community. um, Join those wildlife conservation groups. You can anyone is welcome to volunteer and help with our courses and classes. It's all open to the public. Um, If you want to volunteer, even if you just come and sit and like help sign in, just put your foot in the door and it'll open up. Yeah. A lot of opportunities. You meet some great people. And, and here's your chance to plug on a national platform, uh, the Ocean State. Ta- uh, t- what was say the Ocean State? <laughs> Ocean State Fantails. Fantails. I have my dyslexia kicking in and wanted to say it the <laughs> other way. You guys are always accepting volunteers. You, you just yeah. like you said, you had your banquet recently. You guys had a good time down there. You're going to have uh, projects coming up and more initiatives. So where can people find you guys? How can they get involved? So you can always. I. Do you have an email, which is probably the best way to reach me? It is Maddie P N W T F. Go ahead and spell it. M A D D I E, the letter P, N W T F at gmail.com. There you go. Very good. So just shoot me an email, say, hey, I want to get involved and I will guide you and we'll get going. It's like, yeah, I don't. It, 
I, I say this a lot, but um, it's important and it, people understand it. It's like your time is the most valuable commodity. You can throw a lot of money at an organization like the NWTF, and we certainly use it and put it to good work. Yeah. Um, you can donate material items, and that's a wonderful blessing. But when you're able to give of yourself and your time and whatever that capacity is, if it's showing up for a Habitat project, if it's showing up to the day of a banquet and helping assemble you know, the product that's going to be raffled off or auctioned later on that evening, selling tickets or recruiting more volunteers like yourself – that's huge. And it, yeah. it helps perpetuate that mission and, and it allows allows you guys and your own local community to talk about that mission and specifically our mission and what we're doing. Yeah. How's it yeah. been? How's the experience been? It's been awesome. I've met so many different people and just have had so many awesome opportunities to get out there and learn new things and learn more about because I'm not a biologist, but. I want to learn more about why we need conservation and the history of the wild turkey and why it disappeared, I guess you could say. Yeah, back yeah. This, is, this is all good stuff to know. Know where you come from and how you got where you're at and you can learn lessons from it, right? Yeah. Cool. What uh, You got any good plans for the fall? Where are you headed? Um, right now, I'm going to try to do some goose hunting in upstate New York, hopefully. Ooh, nice. Um, a, and hopefully harvest my first deer. That's my goal this year. A lot of big uh, deer come <laughs> out of that state. There's a yeah. fella who uh, <clears throat> who used to volunteer. Ben Emond, I think was his name. There is his name. And that boy, he crushed <laughs> some monster Rhode Island bucks. Like the stuff oh, that yeah. makes people out west turn their head and go, oh, my goodness, I come out of Rhode Island. But yeah, yeah. Once and they're like, that's Rhode Island. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. They got it. You guys got it going on down there. And it's it's certainly a great place to to go and check a turkey off your, your list if that's what you want to do or or fish or the waterfowling is great. So lots of opportunities uh, there yeah. in the ocean state. Our convention's coming up. Are we going to see you down in Nashville? I hope so. Yeah, good, 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 good. We're looking yeah, we forward to that. Bought a house, so. I'm hoping we can get all that. Yeah, sure. It's a tough, tough time to be in the house game. That's for sure. Take a okay. take a break and come to Nashville and hang out with yeah. all the turkey nerds. That's right. Well, Maddie, I, I appreciate you carving out the time today, coming on and celebrate Conservation Week with us. Thanks for all the good work you do as a volunteer, uh, as a leader in the in the state of Rhode Island. Uh, I know you're definitely in good hands with your regional director and your yeah. your biologist Matt Devona. You guys are, are the sky's the limit for you, and I think they got the right right person at the helm uh, to lead the ocean state. So keep up the great work and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Nashville in February. Yeah. Thank you. Fred. Awesome. Maddie. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right. We continue this conservation week celebration of uh, NWTF success with our national director of conservation services, frequent flyer now on the program, Mark Hatfield. Welcome back, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I appreciate to be back. Thanks for uh, getting me on and working with my schedule. Yeah, no, for sure. Glad to do it. So um, this is uh, 
we just had Cuz Strickland on. We talked to uh, Brett Collier earlier, uh, Maddie Prue out of Rhode Island, Cliff Cadet out of New York City. So lots of good stuff going on from different perspectives. From the organizational standpoint and someone that deals directly with our national partners, you know, there's so much to celebrate this week. Go ahead and talk us through some of um, some of the great stuff we got going on here at the Federation and, and stuff we might be able to look forward to. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Fred. And again, um, you know, you, you listed off a lot of big hitters there, a lot of partners that are longtime partners, new partners there. So it's exciting. And so I'm actually at the uh, Association for Fish and Wildlife Agencies meeting down here in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, where this is kind of the, I don't know, the the melting pot for all things conservation really in the country. It's uh, all the state wildlife agency directors are here. Other NGO partners are here. So it's kind of nice to... Um, be in the throes of our conservation week, you know, and, and seeing all the contents coming out and all the updates we're doing, you know, I've seen the updates from, uh, America's colonial forest, you know, great open spaces, um, you know, all of those updates also crossroads, you know, with our district biologists providing a little overview there. We get the highlights of our waterways for wildlife initiative this morning with Annie Farrell as well. So again, it's, uh, it's exciting to be here. You know, we've got a lot of, a lot of great things going on. You know, we're here, we're hearing firsthand from the directors, just how much they appreciate NWTF as a partner. You know, many of these uh, reap the benefits of kind of our state's contributions into their, their game management areas uh, through our super fund. So that's exciting to see, you know, their, their appreciation for all the hard work of our, you know, volunteers, members there at the state level. So, sure. um, you know, last week we were in uh, D.C., myself, Becky Humphreys, Kurt Dyroff, um, Matt Lindler and I, we were in um, with the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. We were able to also meet with uh, U.S. Forest Service and NRCS, Natural Resource Conservation Service, on really some really exciting expanded partnerships that we have with them. You know, we've got a uh, long history of both of those, and so we're really on the cusp of some really great great projects with those that are going to span public and private lands and really be complementary to what we're doing at the grassroots level. So exciting times. Um, research, of course, has been a hot topic here, mm -hmm. you know, um, here in, in Dallas, Fort Worth at the AFWA meeting. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're committed to the symposium. Uh, you all have already seen probably the release uh, out on Wednesday where we are, announcing the 13th symposium uh, that's going to be in 2025 that was a kind of an expedited timeline you know fred you were at the, the symposium yes, that we had in Asheville, north carolina that north carolina wildlife resources commission helped us out on and co-hosted but man the enthusiasm and excitement coming out of there so we fast-tracked that and we had kansas uh, uh department of wildlife uh, game fish and parks um they're going to co-host that with the Missouri Department of Conservation and us in Kansas City in 2025. That's awesome. And so that's going to, you know, again, continue on the research conversations and figure out how we can address and stabilize these turkey, pop, you know, this turkey population across the country. It's uh, it's that experience has come up so much uh, since we returned back from from Asheville. And then this, you know, I think. Aside from the actual research itself, the the storytelling 
of that research has been invaluable. It has for me as a content creator, manager, a podcast host, being able to bring that information to our membership, to our audience and, and articulate in kind of layman's terms, what some of that is, break it down and then and highlight some of those, those researchers and make them everyday personalities. That's a big deal when we're, we're communicating this to, you know, people that are working 65 hours a week, volunteering on the weekends for our organization, just really busting their humps. Uh, for their passion and the love of the wild turkey, of wild places. Um, I am so jazzed that we don't have to wait a full five years. Um, and, you you know, you said it was expedited because of we got behind the times. I, I'm really excited to see what that looks like in three years as far as the coverage of it, the ability to storytell in three years. Uh, I, th- I just think there's going to be a, a huge buzz building around it. And then, you know, what in three years, these new partnerships look like and the stuff that folks you're talking to down in Dallas, it's really exciting stuff. Uh, kind of, I guess, layman's terms for, for folks, you know, that may not understand what it means to be working with the forest service and, and folks like that, they hear these names and they just kind of get lost in the ether of government. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the significance of that? And why do we celebrate that so much this week? Yeah. So, you know, as NWTF, you know, we are, committed to the conservation of wild turkey, preservation of running heritage. But what we have to do is we have to align ourselves with like-minded partners that can, that we can come alongside with and they can come alongside us to help us deliver our mission in different ways. So when you think about the U S forest service, they are, you know, they, the amount of land that they have available for public hunting, the, and the fact that they need to be stewards of that land to make sure that it's healthy providing quality habitat, providing water, you know, quality, you know, proving water quality, providing recreational opportunities, you know, and really working, you know, and, and building resilient communities is critical. Then when you think about the Natural Resource Conservation Service, they're the largest agency and technical provider to private landowners that m- manage private lands. Mm. And so when we think about the eastern half of the U.S., where it's predominantly well over 90% ownership of, in private lands, it's critical that we can get our staff working with those landowners to improve lands for not only turkeys, but for other wildlife. And that dies into forest health and protection and safety from fires, you know, um, making it more valuable so we can have timber markets, so we can cut more trees, so we can have better habitat management. So, Having the complementary of those two USDA agencies, along with the partnerships we have with our for, with the state wildlife agencies that are the regulatory, a lot of habitat and conservation work they do as well, is critical for us to have that kind of three-pronged approach of public land, private land, and then also the state regulatory agencies, such as the state wildlife agencies. And then you sprinkle in the state forestry agencies as well that, that are in that mix. And that those partnerships, you know, as we... We've celebrated this week. We kicked it off this week with uh, recognition of all the hard work of our volunteers and partners on Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt. That's right. You know, exceeding 5.2 million acres conserved or enhanced over 10 years. It's 1.2 million above what our goal was. Hmm. 700,000 acres of open access, 200,000 acres more than what our goal was. And then creating and recruiting and retaining and reactivating over 1.5 million hunters. And it was probably in excess of that, honestly, right. you know, when we think about just the nuances of how do we track that information. It's all the byproduct of our volunteers and our partners on the lands that are helping us do that. 
and they're helping deliver our mission and we're helping to deliver their mission as well. So those partnerships are invaluable. It's huge. And, you know, we talked, uh, cousin and I earlier about, you know, what you can do locally and, and, and working in tandem with uh, your neighbors. So if you got a, a small parcel of land, your neighbor's got a bigger farm and, you know, the other guy's got a bigger farm, having conversations and cooperating together to maximize. They may not be hunters. They may not even consider themselves conservationists, but understanding that there's value in that land. And if they are doing the same practices you are because of your motivations, it just it triples the space, right? Or, you know, whatever that ends yeah. up being well, instead I mean, of you wildlife, just... Wildlife doesn't look at property lines. That's exactly they right. They don't look at, you know, they don't read books on what they should be doing or where they should be at. You know, the biologists do that. So having a healthy system, you know, forests, healthy forests creates better markets, which means that you have, when you go to harvest, you can, you know, have more money, you know, mm-hmm. when you do that. When you replant, let's replant correctly. Let's make sure when we do harvest that we use the best management practices for that. It all benefits wild turkeys in the long run, you know, but it benefits other things as well. So that's the that's the greatest thing, you know, from my perspective, from the Turkey Federation and my time here is that, you know, we're utilizing turkeys as the mechanism or the tool to assist us in getting work done. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really critical because we have the passion behind it from our partners and our volunteers and members, supporters, and they're doing it on behalf of the wild turkey. But their passion, their credibility, what we've been able to accomplish in nearly 50 years is setting the foundational piece for us to move forward with these expanded partnerships with agencies both on a state and, and federal agency side of things. At the local level, Mark, you know, as, as we continue to celebrate this week and going into uh, the <clears throat> the National Day of, of Conservation, National Hunt and Fish Day, you know, what would you locally, this, this big picture stuff, how can people be involved? What would you recommend to them? Are there local satellite offices that volunteers can, can help out with, or are, 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 are folks better, more utilized within the chapter system and then parlaying that into those partnerships at a local level to really get stuff done? Well, that's a really good question. Cause I think it's going to be a different, different answer for different personalities of individuals, you know, but I would say, you know, always, recognize that you are a spokesman for the for the hunter or the sportsman you know and so i think we always have to recognize that people have different entry points different pressure points so i think you know engagement through our local chapters are always great you know it it starts it's grassroots we have a system in place for the grassroots can can drive somewhere the mission money is spent um it's asking and you know when your son or daughter comes up to you and says hey i'd like to go fishing today Try to find time to take them fishing. You know, those opportunities are are, are mm-hmm. waning. You know, I've got a 10-year-old and man, I've told him, I said, anytime you ask me to go fishing, we're gonna go. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's uh it's a commitment to that. So, you know, get outdoors. Um, and then talk to your neighbors about what their plans are for their, you know, how to how can you help out, you know? And then also if you do hunt or fish on somebody else's property, again, remember that you are the face. They, they may not know any other hunters. And so, you know, make sure the gates are closed, make sure you're lending a helping hand, you know, and making sure that you're bringing value to them just as they're giving you value to, to hunt their property. So I think it's just be courteous, be, be engaged and be aware and uh, be present. 
with what's going on. Yeah, for sure. I, I always like to, especially early season, this time of year during our archery season here in the Northeast, uh, it's a lot of trash for some reason is very present in the woods. Um, we, me and the kids go out and make sure we get a trash bag in our, in our day packs. Landowner, yeah. I don't throw it in the face of the landowner, but if the landowner sees us coming out with more than what we went in in the form of trash, there's a value system there. And, and I hope they're appreciative of it. You know, it's yeah, just something you know, small. Close, close gates behind you, you know, and, and just just be present, engaged, and, and leave the place better than when you show up, you know. Yeah. Um, I've gained a lot of, you know, friendships of people that I've hunted on, you know, their property. And then I've gotten to know them over the years and they're not hunters, but man, now they're supportive of what's going on. Mm. They see it. Uh, and it's just doing the simple things, you know, being responsible. But, you know, I encourage everybody to to get engaged with their, their local chapters, um, you know, and, and stay active, you know, bring somebody new, um, you know, expand that. And then, you know, share a meal with somebody this weekend of, you know, from deer or turkey or duck or sandhill crane, whatever the yeah. flavor you've got, the wild game and, and, you know, invite them in and, and talk about it. But, you know, you have to do it at their pace. I, I think uh, there was a neat undertone to some of the conversations earlier today of, and I mean, certainly we're celebrating our hunting heritage this week, along with the conservation success stories, they go hand in hand, but it, it started to kind of bubble to the surface that, you know, you don't have to have a hunting license in your back pocket currently to participate in this week and be excited about this week. Um, because everybody around you, if you have a, a care or a wish for green spaces and wild places that you, you're a conservationist too. If you're participating in that and taking an active role, like you said, being present, um, yeah, I think that's an yeah, okay I mean, message a, to to put out there. Say so you you know you don't have to go harvest game to participate. Yeah, go 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 on a bike ride. You know, get outdoors. You know, find a time to slow down. You know, and um, you know, kind of relish kind of the natural places a little bit. Go if you kayak, go kayak, and if you want to go for a hike, go for a hike. You know, but get outside. You know, and and like I said, be present and try to you know see something new. You know, go go to a different park that you've never been to or go to a new wildlife management area that you've never been to or, you know, anything along those lines and, and invite somebody to go with you. Yeah, I think that's key is, is bringing a friend, someone new that's um, yeah, you can definitely influence that with with one trip into something new like that. And who, who knows what that that how that will affect them going forward. It'll certainly encourage question asking and a better conversation, I, I would assume. So, yeah, no, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I know you're busy with uh, the the conference down there, so I hope uh, I hope Dallas is not too hot for you. It's a beautiful uh, sixty degrees and raw in the new northeast. So this is the weather I've been waiting for. Yeah, yeah no, it's about mid nineties down here and humid. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of great friends, a great partnership down here. We're glad to be here and to represent a lot. You know, our members and volunteers. That's great. Uh, down here as well. You know, we're just not, you know, representing NWTF, but it's it's all the components of it. And honestly, those components really resonate with all of our partners. So it's, it's fun to be here. Glad to be on. Appreciate the, the time to, to get this set up, Fred. And honestly, you know, thanks to all of the conservation staff, to all of our members, all of our fundraising staff. I mean, they're the they're the reason we've had this conservation week and they're the reason we've been successful on Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt as we were. 
And honestly, it's it set the foundation for us to move forward on some even yeah. bigger and better things. There's so many people behind the scenes that are, you know, that just make, like you just said, just, just make all this work. And it's been a, it's been great to see a lot of our um, conservation staff on the social media side of things and, and having their little, their little spots on. It's been a lot of fun to have that out there. So look forward to more of those stories and, and bringing more, uh, more of the folks behind the curtain to the forefront because uh, they're working hard right alongside our volunteers. Mark, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it, my friend, uh, safe travels and, and we will catch up very soon. Yep. Thanks for it. Take appreciate care. It. Thanks once again to our uh, panel of guests for coming on this week uh, to celebrate along with us, to share stories uh, and share what inspires them and, and, you know, what's going on in their their neighborhood. Cliff Cadet, uh, right from the van, right from the truck, <laughs> he's on he's on his lunch break and then and, and, and just one hell of an individual to take some time out and share his story and, and the great stuff they're doing in New York City. I mean, they're 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 changing the game and, and doing completely different things and a lot of exciting stuff getting ready to uh to come out of his local chapter and, and what they're doing and, and the resource they're providing uh for for inner city families and youth and and the awareness of conservation efforts and an opportunity to get outside and explore right there in, in the heart of of the island of manhattan it's great stuff. Uh, again, thanks to uh, Brett Collier and Kevin Ringelman for sharing um, their story and, and, you know, how they're affecting lives of, you know, that and what we talked about in, in that in that R3 effort that that age group of age class of, of individuals that we tend to lose. And, and they're creating an opportunity, a bridge to to go from. Uh, being under mom and dad's care in in in, in public school system or you know uh, high school and, and such, and then you know keeping them in the hunting space and, and giving them mentors and bridging that to their their professional lives when they're when they're finally really out on their own, making it in this world. Huge barrier there, and that's such a great program. And it's it's really wonderful to hear about copycat programs popping up in different universities, and you know, and again, that's said with all the greatest affection. And that that's that's fantastic. You'd love to see more of that just in every every state um, if available. So you know, what a what a cool idea and. And just a, a way to uh, continue to help and, and 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 be present in those in those lives that you know they love it they got a desire but you know just just because they're trying to make it um, you know something's got to get sacrificed when you're paying your bills as a as a poor college student and you know that's 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 the hunt and that's um that's that 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 cost that um you know if you're going to feed yourself and put gas in your truck or go hunt deer um you know. Some things got to be sacrificed and you hope they come back to it. But again, uh, programs like what they got going on at LSU certainly help bridge that gap. So uh, great story there. Thank you to Cuz for coming on. As always, always appreciate his uh, his voice, his sage advice. He, he's been at it for so, so very long and uh, still a, a mainstay and a stalwart in the in the hunting community and just so well respected his his voice and and what he has to say. And, and we're very appreciative for that, that partnership at Mossy Oak and, and just, um, 
you know, just having him be as candid as he is always and, and honest and, and uh, giving his thoughts. So uh, and then you guys, you know, you heard about their their day of conservation on Saturday, National Hunt Fish Day. So, you know, be a warrior like Huss said, embrace who you are, share your stories on on socials. If, you, if you're if you're active there, um, you know, fly the flag, do it respectfully and uh, try to try to avoid the the, f- the foolish nonsense that uh, can rear its head. It's just just not worth it. And you, you, your energies are, are best spent elsewhere. To be sure, Maddie Pru up in Rhode Island. Um, I, I can attest, uh, you know, I as a regional director some years back in New England, you know, Rhode Island, one of the more challenging states to uh, to get things going from a, a grassroots volunteer level um, for, you know, you heard the reasons a myriad of them with the space and the access and the the culture. And it's such a it is such a small, crowded space. But, you know, the passion is there. The smallest state in our union is is changing the game um, uh, for what they've been doing in their state. And, and Maddie and her energy and her committee, uh, coupled with her her uh, connections and her employee at, at the uh, Rhode Island DEM, you know that's that's fantastic uh, way to to collaborate and um, and get support. And they they've they've done it and they're, they're planting their flag and really it's starting to take hold there in, in, uh, in Rhode Island. And it's really cool to see. And, uh, Rhode Island don't sleep on it. It's a good Turkey state and a really good deer state too. So, and then when you're done with that, uh, you can go do some striper fishing on the South coast or any of their little inlets because man, oh man, uh, as Turkey season gets underway here in new England, uh, that, that migration, uh, northern migration of striper fishing is just phenomenal that time of year, the beginning of part of, of May and the end of April when that's all on. And finally, Mark Hatfield um, coming on, talking about some of the announcements we've had. Just so much going on this week. I mean, if you've, if you've been following it, we, we've kind of hit some of these highlights. Uh, but going back to, you know, Sunday of this week, uh, you know, we celebrated and kind of put a bow uh I think officially on, on save the habitat, save the hunt. And, and just looking at those numbers, I mean, and even Mark said, you know, to a point that, you know, those are probably underestimated in some cases, we probably ended up doing more, but uh, a decade of, of conservation impact, 5.2 million acres of wildlife habitat conserved or enhanced one and a half million new or last hunters recruited uh, or, uh, or retained. And nearly a million acres, uh, three quarters a million acres open for hunting and, and recreational access. Those are no small feats. These are huge numbers. Uh, and that that is because of the passion and the dedication of our grassroots, our volunteer force. And it's because our partnerships that we have had over the years and, and growing those partnerships and working in tandem with our volunteers and everyone just collaborating together. The leadership of our organization, the talent of this organization for the full-time staff. You, you think you get to a point when you're around such talented folks that how could it possibly get better? And then, you know, uh, our our management, our leadership challenges the flock and without a doubt rise to the occasion. And then that all that all seeps out into our, our community, into our bigger flock. And everyone seems to rise to the occasion. You know, you look back going through COVID and and what, you know, some people didn't make it. Some organizations did not make it. Some local organizations we have, we all have friends in the the guiding outfitting business. 
that never survived. Uh, it was bleak, but the flock the flock remained, and we came out of it, and we we finished. We, we hit the finish line on goals that were set years ago, and now here we are, uh, September twenty twenty two, with more challenges. Uh, our two co CEOs, Jason and Kurt, uh, laid down a chapter challenge the other day, uh, you know, challenging folks to become members. Uh, and if you are a member, they're challenging you a step further to become active in your local community, in your chapter system. And this is all easily found, guys. We got a brand new website. You've heard me talk about it once it was released, once it went live. And just by going to nwtf.org, if you're a member and you haven't done so yet, you can create your profile. It's super easy. There is um, on our Facebook page page and Instagrams. All of our social pages had some tutorials within the last month. You can find those. Uh, or you can just try setting it up. It's pretty intuitive. The, our staff did such an amazing job and, and so many sleepless hours of, of getting this to uh, be so much better than, than where we were. And uh, so anyway, you can go on there, create create your your profile. You'll get all your membership details, how much you know money you've donated through all the various initiatives over you know your life to day giving over the years. Um, you know what chapter you're assigned to. You can go in there and uh, do your preferences, whether you want emails on this or don't want emails. Do you want the magazine? Not stuff like that. It's great stuff. Uh, and so from there. Uh, you can find a local chapter. That's what I'm getting to here. If you're if so, if you're if you're new, you're heeding the challenge, and you're signing up for a membership for the first time to the NWTF during this conservation week. God bless you. We love you. We're glad to have you. Now, take that membership you just got, that shiny new membership, and go find your local chapter. Every state's got a state chapter, even Hawaii, even Alaska, and every state has local chapters. Most of these are, you know, within a, in a county in some of the smaller states. Some of the counties have multiple local chapters because the population is just so big and you can do that. And there's, you know, your local chapter leadership has friends and family that don't, you know, mix with the the people of five five miles down the road and it's two totally different populations of people and, and you can do so much. And it's so great that 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 is there that some of these population centers uh, can accommodate multiple chapters and have opportunity to new people to to go and experience these these new folks and, and network. It's it's really awesome. And it's it sounds like I'm overstating it, but I'm not. And someone that did this for a living, someone that did this as a volunteer, it's pretty awesome stuff, especially in a day and age where it would seem like fraternity. And, you know, you think about the clubs and the lodges are are our parents, our grandparents were involved in rotaries, stuff like that. I mean, just, it's just not as commonplace, but our NWTF chapter system, our local chapters are just like that. They are, they're that and so much more. Um, it's, it ends up being extended family and, you know, the sky and your imagination are your only limitations when it comes to having a successful chapter and what you want to do in your community, what you want to do for your fundraising. Uh, and then ultimately what that does for the conservation effort in your state and your, your community and your locale. This is great stuff. So, so you have the challenge. We've been highlighting uh, the big six regions. So, excuse me. You know, uh, when we started out, you heard uh, from my good buddy, Matt DeBona up here in New England, the American Colonial Forest talked about that, highlighted that. And then, um, golly days, American Crossroads, more good information there. And this is all, guys, on our socials. You can access all of this stuff. 
we're here from Annie in America's Great Open Spaces. Uh, and then as you're hearing this on Thursday for the first time yesterday, uh, there was an announcement uh, that NWTF expanded the forest conservation agreement with the USDA NRCS. Uh, basically, this new agreement puts $7 million for conservation funding and additional foresters to help forest landowners improve forest health on their land. Guys, this is big stuff. You know, basically being able to work with landowners to help increase the value of their, you know, uh, their resources that they have and then making that land beneficial um, for for the, the wildlife and, and working in concert to just improve it and, and, and improve the, the population of game species and non-game species. On the way out the door here, guys, I want to just uh, remind you of a couple of great offers we have going on uh, that works. It gr- works in great with the, with the, membership challenge so if you're signing up for the first time ever uh two cool offers uh, that include membership and that is the conservation week t-shirt and decal offer um sign up there for 35 bucks you're going to get a t-shirt and a great conservation week 2022 uh decal you can you could choose that uh and if you're you're hearing this and you know you heard the conversation about you know you don't have to be a, a hunter or a fisherman to participate and conservation week uh here's another great thing that we got going on is our 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 fall 5k 10k uh half marathon walk run fall kiki run we started these virtual race series a year ago and we got a fall and a spring run and we're doing it again uh there uh you get um your membership race finisher medal and a numbered bib for yourself and if you want to pitch another 10 bucks into the pot you can get the race tee for that event so two two very good ways to get membership and then uh get some some cool gear uh to go along with your membership so check out the the 2022 conservation week decal t-shirt offer and also check out our uh fall kiki run 5k offer um that is a last call on that that'll only last another week from uh from this podcast drop initial drop and then the registration period will be closed so get outdoors go for a run go for a walk and then uh sport your new swag and be, be a proud new member of the nwtf thanks guys Under the visionary leadership of founder Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's is leading North America's largest conservation movement. Their partnership with the National Wild Turkey Federation is a match made in heaven for hunters across America. The Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative continues to be a resounding success, with more than $6 million provided for conserving wildlife habitat, recruiting more hunters, and opening more access to hundreds of thousands of acres across the nation. To learn more, go to BassPro.com conservation. Have you been to shop.nwtf.org yet? Well, if not, I invite you to go there now. Again, that's shop.nwtf.org for all the latest and greatest NWTF lifestyle gear. Need a trucker cap? We got you covered. Need a low pro hat? We got you covered there. Guys gear, ladies gear, kids gear, accessories for the pool, for the backyard, for hunting, camping. We got you all there. Shop.nwtf.org. Go there today and get your latest NWTF gear. It's Conservation Week 2022, and we're celebrating the hard work done by our volunteers and staff. As part of Conservation Week, we're offering a limited decal and t-shirt. 
I love the design so much, I put the decal on my car. So definitely go check it out. It comes with an NWTF membership and it helps us continue to invest into wild turkey conservation. Speaking of which, if you would like to donate to Wild Turkey Research this Conservation Week, you can. You can find the link in the show notes for this podcast as well as in our Instagram bio. Happy Conservation Week.